You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi, all, and welcome to Inside Healthcare. I'm your host, Matt Brock. What a show we have for you today. We continue our observance of Pride Month by featuring an interview with a healthcare leader who redefines the traditional approach to care so that nobody gets left behind. Later, we chat with a new member of NCQA's leadership team who takes the reins of developing and running some of our biggest products. Ever heard of health plan accreditation? Well, she's the boss of that. But first, let's jump right in with our talk with Abner Mason, the founder and CEO of Same Sky Health. To begin with, we continue to demonstrate our LGBTQ plus community alliance by bringing you insights into healthcare issues members of that community face. These issues are universal, issues of acceptance and equity and making healthcare equally and effectively available to all people. These rights are human rights. Abner Mason has spent decades working to reduce barriers to care faced by underserved people nationally and internationally from the federal to the local level. He's a policy guru working for years for the governor of Massachusetts before being asked to serve on President Bush's advisory council on HIV and AIDS, both in the U.S. and then internationally. Abner's now in North Hollywood. He sits on several boards and advisory groups, including the California Black Health Network and the American Medical Association's External Equity and Innovation Advisory Group. He's African-American, he's gay, and he's proud to represent all aspects of himself within his work. His empathy, he says, helped lead him to create Same Sky Health. The company works with health plans to change their approach to patients. Same Sky wants healthcare that's based in cultural experience as they encourage health plans to get away from a traditional impersonal methodology and pay attention to the individual. A deep understanding of culture, as they say, can create enormous value as they envision plans and systems that encourage dignity, autonomy, and companionship. Here's our talk with Abner Mason. So, Mr. Mason, tell us uh, about your company. Tell us about Same Sky Health. Sure. So, Same Sky Health is a uh, a healthcare technology company. We are really a a, a health equity technology platform. Uh, We are helping our clients, which are primarily health plans, to uh, identify disparities and gaps in care. And and then we create personalized approaches to uh, help their members uh, uh, build trust with the health plan and hopefully uh, close those gaps in care and reduce those those health disparities. So it's all about uh, understanding who the member is at a deeper cultural level. We believe that that's the key to building trust. And if you can build trust, you can then navigate people into healthcare at the right time and the right place. And when we do that, we then close gaps in care and reduce health disparities. So that's what we're doing for our, our health plan partners. Um, equity can be perceived or can be approached from two things. One, what we're doing to sort of impact equity, but also what we're doing to change the minds of the people or to attract the people that we want to close gaps for. Does that make sense? Sure. The way we approach it, and this is based on, you know, having been doing this work for the last uh, seven or eight years, we have learned a lot. And a key thing we've learned is that 
if you treat everyone the same, you're not going to build trust. Uh, most of the time, the key stakeholders like health plans and health systems and providers, uh, they have a sort of one-size-fits-all approach. They might translate that, that message or that attempt to engage the patient or the member. They might translate it, but it's still the same message, just translated. And when you treat everyone the same, you're sending the same message, you're reaching out to people the same way, what you're really saying is what makes that patient or that health plan member who they are uh, doesn't matter. Their life journey, their experience with healthcare, how the social determinants of health uniquely impact them, the levels of trust that they have, uh, all the things that, that make them who they are. And of course, added in there is their cultural background and the, the sort of the, the things they believe about healthcare that are true, the myths that they believe about healthcare that aren't true, uh, all of those things that make them who they are. What you're saying basically, what, what healthcare too often is saying is that doesn't matter. We're going to treat everybody the same. And that approach we found just doesn't work very well, particularly as the country becomes more multicultural and more diverse. Uh, a one size fits all just isn't going to work. And so what we have learned is that if you are willing to take the time to understand who people are at a deeper level, and that means using data, and that's what we do, public data, private data, claims data. We add to that a team we built that comes from the communities we're trying to serve across the country and a technology platform that allows us to deliver more personal customized content uh, at scale. When you pull all of that together, you can engage the patient or the health plan member in a way that builds trust. They will feel uh, sometimes for the first time that you actually are trying to understand who they are, that you are connecting with them at a level that meets them where they are. And what we found is when you do that, you can not only build trust, but that trust then leads to uh, much better health outcomes. You can get people to do things they wouldn't ordinarily do. We've just experienced this a lot with, with COVID uh, vaccination uh, work. We've done a lot of work reaching out to people who were vaccine hesitant, but by using our approach, we were able to get uh, significantly higher numbers of people actually vaccinated, vaccines in arms, than, than the groups that we didn't reach out to. We were able to actually do some A-B testing and, and prove that out. So our approach, which is to understand who people are at that deeper level, really does work to, uh, to, to build trust. And that then results in closing those gaps in care and reducing health disparities. With the LGBTQ plus community, in terms of making sure that uh, they're not the, you know, that they're not the same, that we're not treating folks all the same. In some ways we should, but in other ways we shouldn't. And I, I imagine this approach um, may be very effective with the LGBTQ community. Uh, no, no question about it. There are some ways in which we should be treating people the same. And that to me, when it comes with, it involves values. With dignity and, and kindness. Exactly. Right? Dignity, and civility, kindness, and all dignity, and kindness, right. and, and, and yeah, and generosity. Uh, these are the these are the the, the uh, sort of values that sh that should we should always have with us, and that should inform all the work we do. But when it comes to actually engaging people and building trust with individuals, we ought to. Uh, recognize that people are different. And if we don't recognize their differences and in a real sense, honor those differences, not just acknowledge them, but honor them. And when I say honor them, that means taking into account that they're different and, 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 and having different kinds of solutions that better need, meet their needs. So for instance, you know, we're doing a lot of work now collecting race, ethnicity, and language data. They call it rail data in healthcare uh, and SOGI data, S-O-G-I, sexual orientation and gender identity. Um, 
and, and, and also SDOH data, social determinants of health data. We're doing that for our health plan partners because uh, a couple of, for a couple of reasons. But one of the reasons is that it's increasingly clear if you don't have that information about the patient or the health plan member, you can't provide high quality, appropriate care. And so it, you have to collect that information and to know uh, and, and, and have that kind of deeper relationship with, with, with uh, patients and health plan members in order to deliver high quality care. So we're doing that for a lot of our health plans because they realize, and provider groups and others because they realize they need it. Another key reason, frankly, and I want to give NCQA credit for this, is that they are increasingly requiring health plans in particular to collect this data. We should have been doing this 30 years ago. The truth is we should have been doing it 30 years ago. We're But we should take the good news now that there is a confluence of events that's coming together that's just really pushing uh, regulators and 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 uh, and and groups like NCQA to say we have to do this, and that is in turn leading health plans to doing it. And I think this is the beginning of of a big step forward for our healthcare system. Uh, and Abner, what's interesting to me too is that when you talk about a confluence of things happening, is the t- Technology is beginning to rise to make this much more possible in terms of collecting all of this information, correct? No question about it, that we uh, we are we have the tools now uh, and the technology tools to co- to collect information uh, and to analyze it at scale. Uh, and so that's a really important part of making this step forward that I just talked about possible. Um, but the truth is, we've had some of that technology for a while. Um, and if you look at other parts of, of, of our culture, and I'll use Netflix as an example, because I was watching Netflix last night, mostly if you know Netflix and Amazon's the same way. It doesn't take many interactions with Netflix before they start to recommend for you uh, 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 different uh, shows and, and, and options that you didn't know about. But what they're doing basically is they are they're using data and technology to build a more customized, personalized experience, which builds trust. Uh, now, we have to be careful, of course, and you can take any tool and use it in a bad way. But uh, if, if we're focused on using these tools in a good way, and, and that's what I want to focus on, this is where healthcare should be going. Healthcare is way behind the rest of society. Uh, You know, commerce does this, Amazon does it, your bank does it, uh, Netflix does it, but healthcare, it's, uh, it's, it's like we are stuck in the seventies. And so, uh, uh, your point is a good one. We do have the tools now, meaning the technology, but we need the will and the policy. And that's where, to me, NCQA comes in and, and regulators come in. They need to do what they're starting to do, which is to say, it's it, we have got to pull healthcare into 2022. That's what NCQA supports. Uh, and I And I think that's our effort on this front is just to improve the picture to improve what we can see so we can better respond. That's a pretty basic uh, principle. Um, Why don't you think others are doing this? Why others aren't doing as much as you all are? One one key reason, and it's unfortunate, but it's true, uh, for a lot of healthcare stakeholders, if 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 they're not required to take an action, uh, they're not going to take it. I mean, that, that's the reality. And that's why uh, it's so important to have regulators and groups like NCQA. Your NCQA's new health equity accreditation is a huge step forward because it's saying to health plans, 
the old way of doing things, which is to serve some people, but not all people in your in your member population isn't going to work anymore. You have to now report quality measures, as you noted, stratified by race, ethnicity and language. These are huge steps forward. And the truth is, I think that we're going to discover and be able to measure what we've always known is that there are significant uh, disparities between racial groups and income groups um, that we have we've known anecdotally that they exist, but we haven't really been able to measure them. And now because of, of, of programs like the NCQA Health Equity Accreditation and requiring plans to report quality measures stratified by race, ethnicity, and language, we're going to be able to measure the disparities. And that in turn is going to allow us to target programs to address those disparities. So it's a big step forward. But to your question, why hasn't happened in the past? Well, it's going to take effort. It's work and it's going to uncover some uncomfortable truths. And those uh, those uncomfortable truths are going to require some, some additional uh, targeting and it's hard to ask people to do that voluntarily. I wish the world worked that way, that people would voluntarily do it, but they don't. But uh, but when they're required to by regulators, and that's what's happening now, it's a it's a really important thing. And I want to thank NCQA for doing this. Um, that is the that that's what causes folks to say, okay, it's no longer a nice to have. We have to do this in order to uh, to be successful as as a healthcare organization. And that's the important thing that I think is happening now. This confluence that policymakers and plans. Uh, and other healthcare stakeholders at, are coming together and and uh, we're creating an environment where the old status quo is no longer sufficient and, and that we've got to kind of step into this new world of, of understanding and having data to measure so that we can target solutions that start to make our healthcare, healthcare system work better for everyone, regardless of what they look like, what they talk like, where they come from, or how much money they make. That's the healthcare system that we all want. We don't have it today, but a step toward that is the work that we're talking about. What I would like to ask you is specifically about the LGBTQ community. You're an expert here. What do we need to do? What is still out there that needs to be done to close the gaps? And what are the gaps uh, that the LGBTQ community faces? And perhaps maybe we haven't thought about. Well, I think, you know, one of the key things is finding, uh, it's, it's training up enough uh, providers so they have a, an understanding of uh, the LGBT uh, plus community. I know when I was growing up, I'm a gay man. Uh, when I was in high, I remember for the first time wanted to find a doctor who understood me as a gay man and could treat me as a gay man and understood the kind of healthcare uh, needs that I would have uh, that would be different from others. And I remember really struggling. Um, it was hard. And I was in Boston, which is a pretty uh, uh, a progressive city and large and in a, in a, in a large medical complex. Uh, uh, it was hard. And, uh, and I talked to a lot of my uh gay and lesbian friends, and most of them didn't have uh, doctors who had an understanding of, of, of them as a gay or lesbian person. And, and, and what was kind of shocking is a lot of them hadn't told their physicians that they were gay or lesbian. And so the idea that you can't, that you that first of all, you couldn't trust your doctor enough to share what is a really important part of your life and, and, and definitely impacts your health care. Uh, that's a problem. And then that even if you shared it, if that doctor didn't have experience, it's, it's not enough to share it. You need a doctor who can actually uh, uh, has, has experience, has training, has an understanding of that. So I think we are a long way from, from uh, if you, as you look across the whole country, of, of having enough providers who 
uh, have that kind of training and understanding. Um, I think that the, the, the whole issue of accepting people who are different, uh, which ought to be, you know, table stakes in my view for healthcare, uh, it isn't yet. Uh, we still struggle with that. And particularly if you get outside of the urban areas, um, you can really struggle to find healthcare that, that is appropriate for gay and lesbian people. So I think two things that are uh, one really good piece of news is that there are some new solutions, uh, new technology companies that are more virtual, but they're able to connect people now to providers uh, who, uh, who have that understanding, but they may not be in their community. Uh, uh, so I think it's exciting that you have some new companies. Uh, one is called F-Folks, F-O-L-X. I've been watching them and there are others. Um, so I really, I think that's a, an important, good thing, but it can't just be new. That that's that that's that alone is not going to do it. We need to have more improvement across the the, the system, and I think one of the things that's going to do that we, is the we, data. Yeah, let me uh, let me interrupt you for a second because we've already discovered in this country separate but equal doesn't work, right? Exactly. So we yeah. have to integrate. No question about it. And and one of the keys here is is to uh, again build around or build on metrics. And that's why collecting this SOGI data, requiring it as the sexual SOGI, sexual orientation, gender identity uh, is so important for, uh, because it's going to help us discover where the problems are. So we'll have some metrics. We can start to target programs. Do our patients trust us enough to tell us this? Do our members trust us enough? Because here's the thing. There's been so much discrimination and stigma on these issues that it's a, it is a trust issue, particularly if you get in more outside of some of the, the, the really urban areas of the country. And so state healthcare stakeholders, plans and providers should test them. This is the test for themselves. If your patients and your members won't share that data with you, that's not their fault. That's you've got to look inwardly and say, what am I doing that I don't have the trust of my patients or the trust of my health plan members that they'll share what is one of the more important aspects of their lives? As a gay man, how do you feel about where we are, where we need to go? Uh, are you inspired? Are you tired? Are you all of the above? I guess I'm more on the inspired side. I think that that as I look at uh, younger people today, younger gay and lesbian people specifically, but younger people in general, um, the kind of, of stigma around, you know, being LGBT that existed when I was growing up and was a young person just no longer is there. I think we have made significant progress. We're not where we want to be, but we, we're definitely not where we were. And so I think it's important to acknowledge the progress because that uh, is, at least for me, uh, encouragement to take the next steps forward uh, to really create the kind of healthcare system and frankly, the kind of society that, that I think uh, most people of goodwill in this country want. It's a place where everybody ha fits, that we, we're all welcome, that we all have a chance to, to be the best that we can be, um, that we're not forced to be something we're not, and, and that who we are is not just tolerated, but it's actually celebrated that diversity and being different and having different talents and skills and interests that is seen as part of what makes the world, but in this case, this country, uh, the, 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 the great place that it is and, and can be. When we let people be who they are and contribute in the ways that they can, we're all better off. So give some advice to those physicians who, who 
have probably treated many uh, LGBT folks in the past without knowing or without them telling them uh, how, how to best approach all of us, not just doctors, but healthcare workers, how best to approach these situations. What, where, where should our mind be? That's a really good question. You know, it, it, it's probably not one answer for every situation, but I think a, a good place to start in every situation is with humility that if you start with this idea that I don't know everything, I have a lot to learn and that I can learn something from, from almost every person that I encounter. And so uh, if you start with humility and that, that idea that of, of, of acknowledging your limited experience, we're all limited by our experience. That's not a bad thing. It's just a fact. So if you start with humility, I'm limited by my experience. I'm limited by what I've learned so far, but I'm open to learning more. Um, I think that's number one. And then number two is, and this is hard to do, um, but it's to stop judging, is to put judgment to the side. It's just hard to do. It doesn't mean you have to change who you are, but it does mean that you have to uh, to to recognize that it's a big world and your experience is limited. That, but there is a place in this world for everybody. And so rather than judging them because they're different than what you thought or what you expected or what you hoped for, instead, if you put judgment aside and, and try to, you know, accept people for who they are. So, hum, so I think humility first, and then putting judgment aside second, if you, it, that will create an environment of, of, of learning and sharing, which is the step, the first steps to, you know, to all good things happening. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm an optimist. So I believe that when people get together, people of goodwill, if they can, you know, have some humility and put judgment aside, they can start to know each other and get to know each other. And, and out of that, many good things will happen. That's Abner Mason, founder and CEO of Same Sky Health. Really enjoyed that. Now a chat with our newest member of the NCQA leadership team. Lori Ferguson is now NCQA Senior Vice President for Product and Customer Operations. As SVP, Lori is responsible for customer retention, customer satisfaction, quality, and efficiency goals. Previously, Lori spent three and a half years with the Visiting Nurse Service of New York. She served as Senior Vice President there, working with both managed long-term care programs as well as structuring management service organizations. Before that, she served as CEO of Alpha Care of New York, a subsidiary of Magellan Health, and now, as NCQA's new SVP for Product and Customer Operations, Lori will lead a staff of more than 100 in the implementation, delivery, and ongoing operations of NCQA's products and programs. Lori's portfolio includes NCQA's flagship health plan accreditation, patient-centered medical home recognition, and software certification for vendors who implement HEDIS measures. It will also soon include commercial software products. Here's our talk with Lori Ferguson as we welcome her to NCQA and to Inside Healthcare. There's an evolution happening at NCQA. We've talked a lot about it here on the program, especially when in, in terms of digital and digital measurement. So tell me what you expect in that area and expect for your team and expect for customers 
who are facing this change with us. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I think we have to talk a lot about uh, the short term uh, and then the longer term goals, you know, as we uh, strive towards continuous improvement. You know, in the short term, we really want to prioritize that customer experience, right? We want to continue to evolve our current products and services because the needs of our customers are evolving, right? The tools that they use, uh, the technology, uh, the way that they go about quality improvement, how they partner with states uh, and CMS on driving quality improvement is continuing continuing to evolve. And uh, we wanna make sure that we're evolving our flagship products right along uh, with the industry. Uh, you know, in, in that vein, as we look to the future, uh, you know, I'm gonna be really focused on working with both our internal and our external partners um, to build a roadmap, a product roadmap, right? That, and, and to implement business processes and technology solutions that will enable InstaQA to continue to, to deliver on our mission to improve quality of healthcare, but also aligning with the technology advancements in the industry. And, uh, and that won't happen overnight, but it's happening pretty quickly, isn't it? After so, year, so many years of waiting, <laughs> it's right. happening pretty quickly, right? That's right. I think, you know, it's not hard to see that the healthcare industry has lagged behind from a technology standpoint. You know, when we think about how we order goods or services or an Uber or, you know, things when they come from Amazon, right? we like to see exactly where things are. We like to be able to see on our phone. We like information to be shared very easily, right? We want everything at our fingertips and the healthcare industry has lagged behind there. But I, I do expect with some of the initiatives coming down like interoperability and, you know, um, you know, other technology advancement that that's going to start to evolve very quickly. And we at NCQA want to make sure that we're at the very forefront of that. So talk to me a little bit about your past, uh, especially about how it plays into what you're doing now. I've spent the last 20 years of my career in Medicaid and Medicare managed care, right, insurance, uh, really focused on complex programs for duals, those that are eligible for both Medicaid and Medicare, uh, long-term care, and special needs programs like HIV SNP or other, other special needs. Um, so as an example, uh, in my most previous role, as you mentioned, at VNSNY Choice, which is a not-for-profit health plan, we served over 25,000 managed long-term care and HIV SNP members, you know, most of which were dual eligible, right, for both Medicare and Medicaid. And in uh, my previous roles, very similar types of products. And all along, you know, there's been a dedication and a focus in managed care to improving our quality outcomes. And uh, oftentimes, we use HEDIS measures and, and standards as a guide to do that right, that, that uh, are published uh, directly from NCQA. Um, also to accomplish that, we, we partner closely with CMS and states to improve our programs and, and quality of care, just like NCQA does. Uh, we're constantly identifying clinical interventions to improve health outcomes, um, always partnering with providers to ensure access to care, quality of care, making sure that members are getting the right care at the right time, which is you know, the, really the premise of, of many of the measures that, that we produce here at NCQA. Uh, so it, it, it dovetails, and while it's from a different lens, um, you know, the, the, what we do and our focus and passion for quality of care and, and the work that I've done prior to NCQA and will continue to do now that I'm here um, is, is very similar. 
But that different lens is actually very helpful, right? Because in so many ways, it gives you, uh, we've put somebody in place who has insight about what our customers are doing, how they're using our products, what is satisfactory about them, and what may not be, correct? Absolutely. I I talked a little earlier about uh, the importance of the voice of the customer, right? And making sure that we're evolving along with our customers. And you know, having spent 20 years as, as one of the customers of, of NCQA, I have a lot of ideas about that uh, that I'm looking forward to sharing. Tell me, you know, as you've clearly already studied, that our uh, mission is just to improve, it's pretty simple, to improve the quality of healthcare. What do you think needs the most work at this point? What is What needs triage and, and critical uh, support. You know, when, when I think about where we need to focus, uh, a few words come to mind, right? Uh, healthcare needs to be accessible, right? And that means for everybody. Uh, it's vital that, that healthcare is affordable and attainable, no matter where you're from, where your zip code is, what your resources are, uh, but that you can, you can assess healthcare when you need it and for preventative care. Um, the second word that comes to mind is equity, right? So once we assess that care, we all have to have the equal opportunity to attain our, our full potential of health, right? That, that we're all treated uh, in the same way and that, you know, our health outcomes are similar across our differences. Um, and then third, of course, is quality, right? So if, if, we're, if we're getting access to care, and we're getting equitable care, we need that to be quality across for everybody, right? So uh, how we are experiencing our healthcare, right? Um, Did we receive the right care at the right time? Are we all able to engage in preventative care, which is very important, Um, not just go to the doctor when we are sick, right? Is our care person-centered? Uh, is it specific to our individual needs, right? Not a cookie cutter, you know, care plan um, that that we so often see in healthcare. I think if we can, you know, really continue to gain ground on on these three things, uh, we'd be going a long way. And you know, we talked about it being a very exciting time for you, for you to be here because of digitalization, but it's also an exciting time to be here because of our uh, updated and new. Uh, equity uh, programs uh, that we're that, that we're rolling out right now. Um, talk to me a little bit about that and and about um, sort of what you've seen in the past in your earlier career and how you think NCQA can help with those. I have a lot of thoughts uh, on equity ranging even uh, as my childhood days, right? You know, um, I wasn't a child who had consistent health care insurance. I didn't, you know, uh, engage in preventative care on a regular basis. You know, I didn't have insurance until my first professional uh, job after, after college. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, why did I go into health care? Really, I didn't know much about managed care or, or health care. Uh, it was really a, a, a part of my demographics and where I lived and, and the fact that Amerigroup at the time was hiring when, when I was entering the, the workforce. Um, but it was there that uh, I began to see uh, the mission, right, of Medicaid and Medicare, uh, managed care organizations, particularly Medicaid, uh, that was providing access to care for those that were the least likely to to, to get access without these, these programs. Um, and that, you know, the folks that we were serving 
you know, did, did not have the same type of health outcomes that we see uh, in other demographics. And um, I've continued to see that. And I think that's a big part of why I have gravitated to um, the most complex populations, right? So moving from overall managed care to long-term care and, and special needs and, and others, because you know it's these populations that, that struggle the most in, in receiving uh, the necessary care. And I think we all, uh, you know, can't can't deny uh, the inequities any longer following COVID and what we saw uh, throughout COVID and and the uh, the variances and outcomes, you know, across the nation and across populations and, and demographics. Um, and so it, it it really put the explanation point uh, needed, right, to to cause movement. And I I couldn't be happier to see. Uh, the dedication and focus coming from from our government uh, and from our health plans and uh, from us at NCQA uh, to really focus on making a difference there. But we should not um, now that it, everyone seems to be marshaled. You're, I think you're right. We're all talking about it. We're all making some changes in CQA, certainly adding these uh, updating and adding these new products. Why do you suppose um well, let me say this. It's still not going to be easy, though, Lori, is it to sort of close those gaps? We're going to have to work at it for a while. No, you're, you're absolutely right. But, you know, nothing starts to be worked on if it isn't measured. Right. So the first thing we have to figure out is how do we measure it and how do we shine a light on on the issues? Uh, and, and then we can start to tackle how to make changes. It's it's still a long haul. There's still lots of work to do. What do you think is, uh, let me go with this one. What do you think is probably um, the, the most challenging in that area uh, in equity? What is going to be, is it access? Is it making sure people know they have access? What, is, what do you think will be the most difficult uh, or, or challenging part of closing these gaps? Yeah, I, I absolutely uh, think access is a big part of it. You know, there, there are zip codes where the nearest healthcare facility uh, is dozens of miles away, right? Um, there, are, there are healthcare deserts throughout the nation. Um, yeah, access is, is a huge part of, of starting to tackle the problem. From there, it's what happens when, when uh, folks get there and, and is the care that they're receiving uh, equitable, and appropriate in terms, culturally appropriate in terms we're talking to people where they are, exactly. for lack of a better word, right? Exactly. And, and you know what? Sometimes where they are is at their homes. And how, how do we start to take healthcare directly into uh, people's homes so that they're getting the care that they need? So I'm going to wrap it up pretty quickly, uh, but I want to know what you're, you're most excited about. Yeah, I mean, absolutely the people. Right, the, the dedication and passion uh, and, and tenure, right, expertise uh, of, of the team members here at NCQA. The roadmap is very exciting. You know, our move towards uh, digital measures, uh, digital products, I think is uh, right on uh, and it's time, right, uh, that, that we as an industry are, are going together. Uh, in that direction, uh, the focus on equity and some of the, the tough questions, right? And CQA is, is not shying away from the toughest issues that, that are plaguing healthcare today. And that's where I want to be, right? Part of the solutions. Lori Ferguson, NCQA Senior Vice President for Product and Customer Operations. 
You'll be hearing exciting news from her team soon. Soon enough, I'm sure. Well, time for Matt's Facts. In recognition of Pride Month, we wanted to bring you a bit more history on the recognition side of healthcare for the LGBTQ community. On October 6, 2016, the director of the National Institute of Minority Health and Health Disparities, part of the NIH, was Dr. Eliseo Perez Stable. In his director's message that day, he wrote the following, quote, I am proud to announce the formal designation of sexual and gender minorities, or SGMs, as a health disparity population for NIH research. The term SGM encompasses lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender populations, as well as those whose sexual orientation, gender identity, and expressions or reproductive development varies from traditional, societal, cultural, or physiological norms. Stigmatization, hate, violence, and discrimination are still major barriers to the health and well-being of SGM populations. Research shows that sexual and gender minorities who live in communities with high levels of anti-SGM prejudice die sooner, 12 years on average, than those living in more accepting communities. The Minority Health and Health Disparities Research and Education Act of 2000 authorizes the director of the National Institute on Minority Health and Health Disparities in consultation with the director of the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to define health disparity populations. This month, I formally designate sexual and gender minorities, or SGMs, as a disparity population for research purposes. End of quote. In the fight for health equity, the NIMHD now works together with the NIH's Sexual and Gender Minority Research Office, helping NIH's director advocate for better SGM health while providing guidance for researchers in and out of the institutes. We hope to bring you more insights and good news on progress made for SGM rights in the months to come. But that was certainly a good date, a good day back in 2016. Now, if you're anywhere in the healthcare world, NCQA keeps you on your toes with certification training, professional development, and insightful discussions on all things health and measurement. We're a one-stop shop for quality assurance, that's for sure. For example, our Quality Innovation Series offers more than 20 webinar trainings through August. That is, you can catch them live and ask questions too, or watch them later, or watch whatever you missed later. You just have to sign up. The All Access Pass gets you in everything at once, super easy. Go to ncqa.org, search Quality Innovation Series. Keep an eye on mid-July, though, our online-only Digital Quality Summit features speakers and sessions discussing how to build an equitable health ecosystem. Equity is always the key, so join us July 12th and 13th. Should be a good time, and seats are filling fast. And use the summer to plan for our newest fall event. It's a four-day live, in-person, finally, Health Innovation Summit from Halloween through November 3rd. You can definitely attend, but you can also be a speaker, even a sponsor still. For more, go now to ncqasummit.com. 
And to find out more about any and all of these events, go to ncqa.org and you can search education or events. As we near the end of another show, we toss you a question to ponder. What's one way you can gain empathy for someone with a different view of life? Not an easy question, but hey, we don't shy away from the tough ones here. If you have any answers or ideas to shape the world or just thoughts on your our show and our guest, email us at communications at ncqa.org. Throw us your ideas for guests or your ideas for how I can do better interviews if you like. We're here for you. Just let us know. Well, the clock on the phone says time is fleeting. So we'll just say join us next time and all through the year for our bi-weekly Inside Healthcare podcast. For producer Dave Smolar and the entire communications team at NCQA, I'm Matt Brock, wishing you healthy and happy fun in the sun this summertime. Don't forget to hydrate. We'll see you again, no doubt. You've been listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast brought to you by NCQA the National Committee for Quality Assurance. Inside Healthcare is available on your computer or mobile device through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and on our blog at blog.ncqa.org forward slash podcast.